What's up, everybody? Tara Wellman here. Unless you ask, like, Tim McCarver or Mike Shannon, then it might be Tina, it might be Teresa. I'm gonna go with my actual name, which is Tara, and give you another series preview, this time as the Kansas City Royals come to town. Ah, the I-70 series. One of those geographic rivalries that has history, but not a whole lot of current relevance. Except for bragging rights, which, let's be honest, sometimes that is more than enough. Now, the Kansas City Royals are 14 and 32, which will probably change by the time you actually get this preview, but the point remains, they've not been very good. They're 13th out of 15 in the American League in runs scored, and they're first in the American League in runs allowed. So you can imagine how that's been working out. But the show must go on, leaving Royals fans to search for those little things, little bright spots that keep them from giving up on baseball entirely. That is what Colby Wilson from Baseball Prospectus Kansas City is here for. Well, Colby, I know that uh, the Royals are not necessarily the most fun thing to talk about these days, but thank you for uh, for joining me anyway. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, it's it's not been the best season, but we we soldier on. <laughs> now, what I know about the Royals this season pretty much comes down to Salvador Perez hurt himself carrying luggage. They yes. made the White Sox look like they might actually be good for a few days. Matt and Davis turned into 1998 Mark McGuire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was that was a thing that happened. Um, and then Drew Butera is maybe the best thing about this season because he let a little boy dye his hair pink. Something to that effect. Did I, did I miss anything important? <laughs> oh, um... No. <laughs> Sully Matias is having a really good season in the minors. That's that's where we're at right now. Well, there's. it's nice that there's something to look forward to, even if it's not this season. Um, yeah, boy, you... We've we've been uh, we've been paying a whole lot of attention to Lexington and uh, Northwest Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, a little harder to follow sometimes, um, but nonetheless, at least there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Now the Royals seem like they're hesitant to call this a rebuild. Um, I mean, they still have some names that that are familiar: Alex Gordon, Mike Mustakas, Salvi Perez. But what? How would you define what? this stage is for the Royals, whether they want to acknowledge it or not? I think it would have been easier to dive full on into a rebuild had the last offseason not gone so strangely, where so many guys were left on the market. You bring Mike Nostakis back to Kansas City on what's really a sweetheart deal. I mean, for the production that he gives you to do it for six and a half million dollars this year and he gets to test the open market again next year. It's just, I mean, some I've been saying for a long time now that some contender is going to get a very angry playing for the next contract, Mike Moustakas at the deadline and is going to be really happy with him. But it's, it's hard to, to define it as a rebuild. If so many of the same principals involved who were helping you lift banners a couple of years ago are still around, uh, Mustaka, Salvador Perez, even the shell that is Alex Gordon currently, those guys are still around. So they haven't exactly turned it over to the kids and just said, hey, we're going to lose a whole lot, but we're going to see what you guys have yet. It's it's a very weird kind of in-between right now. Do you think that's a, a good approach, a good plan? Because so many teams that have become really good did do that. They tore it all down. They let the kids play 
for a couple of consecutive seasons before they were really counting on them to win. This seems like a different approach that, well, so far this season isn't really, isn't really working. No, it's not really working, but it's the intentions were there in a lot of ways. Salvador Perez is on a very good contract and he can be a contributor for the next good Royals team. Uh, Danny Duffy's on a good contract relative to what he was when he signed it when he was kind of looking like a top-end number two. Danny Duffy's not been very good this year, and all of a sudden that contract, which looked kind of uh, hometown dealish when he signed it, is not the same thing anymore. And then you've got guys like Kennedy, Alex Gordon, even Jason Hamilton to a smaller extent, who are just flat-out not performing to the expectations sunk into these guys so you can either keep trotting them out there and just kind of hoping they recover the magic or you just get rid of them and eat the money and with such a dearth of high-end prospects at the triple a and even double a level really it's there's they're kind of in a no man's land it's like we'll just keep throwing them out there you've already paid the money and you've got nothing in triple a that really excites you so you're you're just stuck and stuck in a place that is not resulting in a whole lot for the fans to get excited about. Um, when you look at the uh, the Cardinals-Royals series, uh, a series that I feel like maybe isn't as um, relevant as it once was, as it has been in the past. And, I mean, the Royals have had good years when the Cardinals weren't great, and the Cardinals have had good years. The Cardinals are kind of in a weird part of their trajectory as well. But when you think about this series... Um, are there games, are there years that stand out when you look back at the uh, the the cross-state rivalry? I mean, no, because they were kind of like two ships passing in the night in a lot of respects. It seemed like it, when one was on the way up, the other was on the way down, or in the Cardinals' case, stayed up while the Royals stayed at the bottom for several years. I mean, I could... I can pretend to go back to 1985 and talk about that World Series and Don Dinkinger and all that. Uh, I wasn't born, so that seems pretty unfair um, to, to take somebody else's memories. What I heard about it uh, doesn't sound all that fun for Cardinals fans, but uh, it was kind of all the Royals had to hang their hats on for 30 years. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I mean, any of those real impactful moments between these two teams... They mean very little to me personally because I, I wasn't there to experience it. So uh, I'm glad I'm not alone in in finding it a little bit hard to latch on to that '85 uh, storyline because it wasn't it wasn't my team that I followed. Um, now there are some familiar faces for Cardinals fans playing for the Royals this year. One of them being our our good buddy John Jay, who is still a starting outfielder, evidently. Um, we'll get to some of the other names in a minute, but how is John Jay? <laughs> you know, John Jay came in here, and I guess <laughs> I, no expectation. Really, really, truly, it, it was just he could give you some at-bats or he could be cut loose at the end of spring training, no harm, no foul. And then Jorge Bonifacio got suspended for half the season, and all of a sudden, the acquisition of John Jay loomed a whole lot larger than it did initially. And I have to say, at the top of the lineup, you can do a lot worse than John Jay. He grinds quality at bats. He puts the ball in play. He's not a strikeout machine. Is he going to be an all-star? No. Is is he a gold-glove defensive player in the outfield? No. Um, is he going to slot 30 homers? No. Is he better than... A good AAA outfielder, probably. 
That's if, uh, if you're looking for a ring endorsement, though, I don't have one. I like <laughs> No. Uh, John Jay, I think, had some really great years with St. Louis, but um, I feel like some of those same things could be said of him then. He was never, and he was playing center field at the time. Um, he had his moments defensively. I think he was probably better than a lot of people gave him credit for. His arm has never been a uh, strength, and, and I think that uh, <laughs> led a lot of people to be more critical than, um, than maybe was accurate. However, uh, he's the kind of guy that managers seem to like to have around. Um, he'll jump in and play any role that you ask of him. And, um, you know, he's one of those guys that I think Cardinals fans have mostly fond memories of as someone who played an important role, whatever it was, in the time that he was there. And then, of course, he went and played for the Cubs, and, and all those fond memories disappeared. <laughs> oh, sure. uh, the, the curious thing that Jay's done this year is that even though he's more of a natural center fielder, he spent a lot of time and left when the Royals were giving Alex Gordon a lot more looks in center field because that had been kind of the initial plan before the Bonifacio suspension was going to be, okay, we've got Bonifacio, Soler, and Gordon. We don't really have a natural center fielder. Gordon can play there. Let's try him out there. Well, then Bonifacio got suspended. And so now Jay has been kind of moving all over. I think he's found kind of a home back in center now, but, uh, as you said, yeah, the uh, the arm is never going to remind anybody of uh, Vladimir Guerrero. In fact, I've kind of said, hey, that reminds me of Johnny Damon, and that doesn't really – it's not the nicest thing I've ever said about anybody's <laughs> outfield arm. Yeah, maybe not so much. Uh, you mentioned Solaire. He's another guy that Cardinals fans are familiar with having seen him with the Cubs. Um, and this, this is going to sound strange, but I think he was a guy that – Cardinals fans kind of liked to see struggle <laughs> because there was so much hype and the production was never, never really lived up to it. Um, but he's actually playing pretty well this year and um, changing some things about some of those stereotypes, some of those, uh, the, the narratives about him striking out all the time. His strikeout rate is lower than it's been. His walk rate is higher than it's been. What is he doing different this year that, that seems to be working? Well, I think the move to the second spot in the lineup has helped him a lot. He sees more pitches in that role than he did in the lower end, five, six, the more traditional power roles, because last year especially, he was just he was practically unplayable in those spots because he couldn't provide any protection to Eric Hosmer, Mustakas, Salvador Perez. No matter where they slotted him, he was just he was an out waiting to happen. He's changed his approach a little bit. He's tightened his swing up a little bit. One thing that he's been doing a little more recently that he needs to change is he pitchers are starting to work him backwards a lot more. He's not getting the first pitch fastball every time, and he hasn't made that adjustment yet. He's swinging on the first pitch right now. If it's at his head, if it's rolling to the plate, it doesn't matter. He's got to change that if he really wants to continue this progression. That's his next step as a hitter is learning that, you know, situationally, okay, guys have figured me out a little bit. Now I've got to adjust to that. Yeah, it's it's interesting seeing him make those adjustments because I feel like he kind of fell off the, fell off the map a little bit um, after – all the hype and then, you know, to turn himself into nearly a 300 hitter um, at this point in the season, that's a pretty impressive turnaround, at least as far as I can tell. <laughs> well, coming in, I think my my perspective on him was a lot, like a lot of Royals fans was just, well, this is a guy with some pop. We've got to we've got to expect Solaire to be a 30 home run hitter and be the bridge that he's going to be the next cleanup guy, regardless of who leaves. 
he could do that, but I don't think that's the role he's best suited for. He has been an on-base machine here in the early parts of the season, and he's he's such a talented hitter. He He's not just a deadpool guy. He can spray to all fields. I, I think we kind of underestimated his overall approach and just looked at him as a masher. And so the people that think, oh, well, this was Solaire for Wade Davis – Solaire will never live up to it unless he's a 40 home run guy. That's not the case. You just kind of got to recalibrate your expectations of what he's going to be. Yeah, it's interesting to see that role sort of shift, maybe even from what um, Chicago was was trying to make him into as they brought him up through the system. Um, If he's not the guy that is the offensive firepower necessarily, if he's a piece to that puzzle, but maybe not the one driving it, even in a down year, where would you look for that offense to come from? Is it still Salvador Perez? Is it Whit Merrifield? Is it, you know, who is that guy that's that should be driving the offense for this team? Right now, the best offense, and really the only offense on some days, is Mike Moustakis' power. And the struggle has been finding the right combination of guys to get on in front of Moustakis and also having the right combination of guys behind him to offer a little bit of protection. And so you've seen some different combinations where Whit Merrifield has hit all up and down the lineup, and he does it at every spot, but it's a matter of what's going to be the best, give the Royals the best possible chance of success. Right now, it's kind of been Jay at the leadoff, Solaire second, with Whit Merrifield kind of slotting into the 5-6 area and providing some lower end protection. I personally think Witt's a little bit too talented to hit down there, and he doesn't provide any sort of pop, really. But at the same time, somebody's got a hit on the lower end of this lineup, and on a lot of days, it is just bad once you get past six. It is just terrible. <laughs> yeah, that makes uh, rallies a little bit hard to come by when uh, when there are only three or four guys that you can count on. <laughs> If you're trying to rally with Alex Gordon, Alcides Escobar, and Abraham Almonte, you just skip to the next inning. That's You're not getting anything. Like a, an intentional walk anymore? You can just be like, no, pass. Just, yeah, just, yeah, just move on. <laughs> Rob Manford wants these games to speed up. Let's help him. <laughs> there you go. Um, let's talk a little bit about pitching. Uh, the, oh, do we have to? Well... I mean, just briefly. Um, okay. No, I mean, the, the bullpen hasn't been great. Uh, the, the Royals added Justin Grimm um, over the offseason, but now he's down with an injury. Uh, I guess, <laughs> what's the weakest link as far as the bullpen is concerned? And is there a bright spot at all? Oh, boy, it'd be simpler to figure out what the strongest link <laughs> was. Um, Kelvin Herrera has been very good. Um, he struggled a lot, I think, transitioning into the closers role last year, but he has shut the door every time when given his very limited opportunities this year. Uh, I've been cautiously optimistic at various points with Tim Hill, with Berg Smith. Uh, I can't say the same about Blaine Boyer or Brian Flynn. I especially can't say the same about Boyer. He's just that he's got a, a roster spot and they designated Miguel Almonte for assignment in order to pick up Abraham Almonte. It's just, it's just crazy. Just, I don't, I don't get it. Nobody else can properly explain it. Boyer's been terrible. I feel bad. I'm sure he's a very nice man, but he's just a very bad <laughs> baseball player at this point. You know, I was going to ask you, um, it seems like in, in seasons like this one, 
um, and maybe even years that aren't quite as bad, you can you can always point to a guy or two on a roster, and you're just like, why? Why is this happening? What is is Boyer that guy this year, or is there more than one? <laughs> every every single thing about him. Everything you hear when people start saying, what is this guy doing here? Is, oh, he's a great clubhouse guy. Dave Moore loves him. Ned Jost loves him. He's this, he's that. And it's something, you know, I I like people too, but at some point if they're not doing their job, you kind of got to move on. I think we reached that point with Blaine Boyer like a month and a half ago, and he's still here. Yeah, that's, uh, that's frustrating. That's frustrating to watch. Um I, the, I say that having watched uh, Mike Matheny run out way too many times, guys like Mitchell Boggs, who couldn't get any outs, and guys like, I mean, last year, Sung Wan Oh was supposed to be the Cardinals' closer, and he could not get anybody out at the end of games. Uh, and you see him run out there time and time again. This year, it's Greg Holland for the Cardinals, who suddenly can't can't get three consecutive outs he can get two and then he gives up all the runs um and that's that's not an effective use for a guy who's supposed to be your closer uh so i i understand the confusion of watching a guy go out there over and over and over again who's completely incapable of getting the job done <laughs> you know it's one thing if, if you're six runs ahead or six runs behind who cares somebody it's just time to get some work but to see boyer come in in these tight one two run games and just it, it's not even like things start like he gets an out or he gets ahead of a guy like just first pitch singles followed by you know doubles into the gap and all of a sudden it's just it's game on and there's it extinguishes all hope immediately. And it's just, it's disheartening to watch some days. So it's not just Mike Matheny that uh, likes to, to play that game, evidently. No, 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 it's not. That's, uh, that, that's very much Ned Joseph's corner. Well, he'll have company this week in St. Louis. We'll see which manager can, uh, I, I, whatever the opposite is of outmanaging each other, maybe that's what will happen this weekend between those two. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, um, this is, this is not a great meeting of the uh, the strategeries, I don't guess. No, these, these do not, uh, at least for Ned, I can't speak for Matheny, but for Ned, there's going to be a couple of times where the casual observer will say, what are you doing? Yeah, that's a, that's an everyday occurrence, I think, uh, as far as most of Mike Matheny's games managed. Um, although he's... It, I would like to say he's been better this year because there have been very specific instances where he does a thing that... Cardinals fans have been wanting him to do for like seven years and it happens and we're like, whoa, I didn't know you knew that was possible. Um, and then the next day he goes right back to what he's always done before. So I don't, I don't really know what's happening there. But uh, anyway, could be very entertaining between those two this week. Um, let's talk a little bit about the uh, probable starters for this week, um, mostly because I'm very curious. Ian Kennedy and Jason Hamels, it just it, like... To have those two back-to-back -to, -back to me still, I feel like this is a blast from the past. And I, I kind of did a double-take, and I was like, wait, really? That's that's that, They're still a thing. Okay, cool. Yep. <laughs> you know, if this was 2011, you'd feel a lot better about that. But it, seven years later, it's just, I mean, Hamill still had some flashes last year where he was, he could put together a quality performance. Um, he's had, he had one complete game where he looked absolutely dominant this year and the bullpen lost it for him in extra innings 
Kennedy has just, I can't recall the last time Ian Kennedy marched out there and I thought, oh boy, we're in good hands here. It's just, it's so, so bad some days. And, and you're right to have them back to back. Like if you, if you got two guys with ERAs well north of five and you have them back to back, it's just so tough. It's, it's begging your offense. Guys, you got to score eight runs and you got to do them back to back games and you have to do it regardless of whoever they're putting out there. And that's just such a difficult task to ask of a good offense. And that's not what the Royals have right now. The Cardinals have struggled offensively much of this season. The last week, they've picked it up a little bit. Guys like Matt Carpenter are starting to look a little bit more like Matt Carpenter. Um, but I don't, I don't know that it's any comfort, but it's pitchers like Ian Kennedy and Jason Hamill that the Cardinals have struggled with this season. Um, they'll they'll hit the ball all over the park against the uh, the top of the line starters, and then it's the guys that they should be able to handle that seem to uh, to prove challenging. So who knows what's going to happen? Uh, they'll be facing off against Miles Michaelis, who has been a revelation in his return from time in Japan, and Luke Weaver, who's one of the young potential studs for the Cardinals. They have a, a handful of them at this point. Weaver struggled here and there this season, but his last start was probably his best of the year. So he's coming off of uh, maybe some momentum there. We'll see what happens. Jacob Junis, though, in that third game for the Royals, is he kind of the bright spot as far as the pitching is concerned? Absolutely. It's, it's, so, it's so nice to have a guy like him pan out because last year you could see it. Every once in a while, he would have a game, and it was he, – he could absolutely – he can make the ball dance. His slider is fantastic. He can spot the fastball. He can spot the change. He just couldn't always put it all together last year. This year, the slider has been one of the best – and granted – the American League Central is a dumpster fire right now, but I would say that that may be, just from a consistency standpoint, the best pitch any pitcher in the Central has. It's it's a He can throw it in any count. He can throw it at any point to any batter, and he's he's just gained so much confidence. And granted, he's done it against the American League Central. Again, very bad, but he's gotten – so much more confidence that you just never when when you're seeing these young guys you worry are they going to get are they going to get downtrodden i think that happened to plenty of royals pitchers over their history going back luke hoshaver uh any anybody in that era i think that the losing and the getting hit all the time just left them so downtrodden and i worried that it was going to happen with junis and it hasn't he's he's developed into a quality pitcher and it's been really encouraging to see well, he will face off against Michael Waka, who, uh, you know, I feel like his his season numbers are a little bit misleading uh, because they look pretty good. Uh, he's been a little bit of a roller coaster at times. He's not pitching deep into games. Um, he still has, uh, he'll have moments where he shows that thing that he had when he first came into the league and everyone thought he was going to be the next Adam Wainwright. Uh, and then, you know, half of his innings, you're just, crossing your fingers and hoping that he actually gets through them. So I never know what to expect, although he's also coming off of a pretty solid start. The Cardinals pitching has been their 
constant so far this season. So they've got that going for them. Uh, the the offense, eh, we'll see what happens. Could be a good weekend. It could be a bad week. I, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen there? Um, but as always, this is a series that tends to draw a lot of attention, whether it's particularly relevant in the overall baseball landscape or not. So I know this was super last minute, but I appreciate you joining me to talk about it. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Now, the Cardinals came away from the four-game set with the Phillies, two and two on the homestand, and a few men down, <laughs> to say the least. But there were some bright spots. The resurgence of Matt Carpenter, the pure strength of Tyler O'Neill, the superstar potential of Jack Flaherty and Jordan Hicks. But while the Royals might not be the toughest competition on paper, the Cardinals are battling a host of issues in their own right, whether it's just having enough players to put on the field or making sure that you protect some of that potential down the road. So they can't look past this series just like they can't look past any other series, as cliche as that might sound. Thanks again to Colby for joining me, especially on short notice, and I'll see you next time for a series preview for About Last Night. You can check it all out on YouTube or at Birds on the Black, and make sure you subscribe, because that would make me happy, and who doesn't want that? <laughs> <laughs>